Good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Dalit in Maseches Rosh Hashanah. As always, we're learning Leila Nishmas of Chaim Zev Malinoit Zatzal. And today, it's Zayin Cheshun, which means it's the Yorzat of Rav Meir Shapiro Zatzal. We owe him tremendous Hakar Satov because he uh, founded Daf Yomi, which has inspired at least my learning and many, many thousands of others. Uh, it's <coughs> sort of Rabbi Gross Shlita says, Zayin Cheshvan. That's when, you know, by the way, they start saying, um, they, they, Gishamim, they stop saying Gishamim for the, in Eretz Yisrael. So we're thinking about Eretz Yisrael today. And so he said there's a remez to the Yorzeit of Amir Shapiro in his Yorzeit of Zayin Cheshvan because the Gemara says that they go in the Mishnah, Ad Nahar Pras, that you wait until people get back to Nahar Pras. And he said, Nahar Pras is the waters of Bavel, the waters of Talmud Bavli. He made Talmud Bavli accessible to all of Klal Yisrael by dividing it into Dafyomi. And eventually, so many more people that otherwise would be exposed to Talmud Bavli have exposure to it. I kind of butchered the Vart, but you get the idea, right? There is a significance to his, to his yard site. Also, and this is the part I think only Rabbi Gross would figure out, the last public speech that Mayor Shapiro gave, he knows the date. It was a Shabbos, uh, I think it was a Shabbos Shuvah Drasha, um, uh, and about a month before he passed away, and, they, and he said a vart on Daf Dalit in Maseches Rosh Hashanah. So, Daf Yomi coincidence to set us off, but I'm, not, I'm only going to, I'll save that vart if we get there today, okay? But Dr. Shem, remind me. All right. So we're in the last line of Gimom Bez. We say, Maskif la Rav Kahana. What did Rav Kahana object to? Okay, let's orient ourselves, Andrew. Rosh Hashanah Lamlachim. Well, we pointed out yesterday the irony. Rosh Hashanah Lamlachim was so established in order to have standardization and clarity in Shtaros. And yet, look at how much clarity we have when it comes to Rosh Hashanah Lamlachim. First of all, the Gemara is saying that it if you have a Jewish melech, it's going to be in Nisan. If you have a non-Jewish melech, it's going to be in Tishrei. And even though it makes logical sense, because Yitzhak Mitzrayim applies to Klal Yisrael, and Brias Olam applies to everyone, in terms of Shtaris, that can be confusing, but not so much, because if you say, you know, King David melech, then you know it's Nisan. If you say King Julian, then you know that it's Tishrei. Where it gets complicated is Korish. When we talk about Cyrus, we said that, that there is a issue with regards to sometimes it seems like we had it in Tishrei and sometimes it seemed like we had it in Nisan. And, the, and Rabbi Yitzchak's uh, um, explanation was, Lo kasha, kan kodem shihichmitz, kan shihichmitz, that not only <laughs> are you going to separate it based on right, whether it's Kali Israel or not, the melech is from Klal Yisrael or not, but also whether the melech is stark or not. So even if he's a melech from Umas Olam, if he's stark, then you're going to do Nisan. And if he falls off the derech, then you're going to do based on Tishrei. So I was saying it in jest, but I mean, if you carry it to its conclusion, right, obviously, like, can you imagine during the Trump administration, um, there's Staros and how he's a polarizing figure. And so some Jewish communities perhaps would say, oh, well, of course, 
he's a Tishrei guy. And others say, of course, he's a Nissan guy. Do you see how that could be confusing if you have to evaluate whether uh, the Melech from the Umos Olam is Hichmitz or not? Okay. I'm just saying it adds confusion for the purpose of why we put the Yishtar. Uh, but anyway, now that we're in the mood, let's go. Matkif Rav Kahana. What does Rav Kahana have issues with Rabbi Yitzchak? Rav Kahana is not sure whether Koresh was Hichmitz at all. He, he likes him. He says, Trump is Mashiach, right? He's saying, Lo Echmitz, he was the best. And, and, and obviously he has this bias because after all, he did help us rebuild the second base of Mikdash, right? Anybody who writes a letter saying, go ahead and build the base of Mikdash and helps you build the base of Mikdash, you're going to want to be biased in his favor, right? Things were so bad for so long, so he's defending Korish here. He says, And finally, as we arrive at Dalit Amad Aleph and Andrew takes a deep breath, the Pasuk says like this, where is this pasuk from? Sefer Ezra. It says, What's going on here? This is a letter that Koresh wrote, right? As we said yesterday, excuse me, Nehemiah, right, and Ezra were involved with the rebuilding of the second base of Mikdash, and Nehemiah was getting news that things in Yerushalayim were very bleak indeed. And so he beseeched Koresh to rebuild the, um, and to send supplies. And so Koresh's response, and this is really why Rav Kahana is so defensive of him, he said, take whatever you want. Machashchan, whatever they need. Young Bnei Torin, young bulls, rams, dichmen v'imrin, and sheep, right? For whatever, whatever olas they want, from whatever emurim they want, right? For the God of heaven, and chintin, blachamar, mshach, and wheat, salt, wine, and oil, right? A court, kemaymar kahanya to be Yerushalayim, whatever the kohanim in Yerushalayim need, lehavei misyayiv lahom yom biyom di lo shalu, right? All those in Yerushalayim should be supplied to them day by day without fail. This is Daryavash, who we said is Korosh, right? Uh, we don't know exactly how it lines up, but we just said this is Daryavash, this is Korosh, this is Achpashchasta, right? This is the emperor of Persia who's saying that you could take all these things. You'll notice, by the way, this is a Pasuk from Ezra, and it's basically an Aramaic, and obviously, or Persian or whatever it is, right? It sounds like, uh, like Aramaic because it is, in fact, the king right, of Persia saying, take whatever you need. And therefore, that's a raya that he was a good guy, right? The fact is, what was his response to Nehemiah? He said, take whatever you need. And he's being very explicit, and he's being very generous and gracious. So clearly, it would imply that he did not fall off the derech already at that point. He was still on the derech. So Rabbi Yitzchak defends, yeah, he was very helpful, and yes, he was good to the Jews, but he was a sick dog. Amalar Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Mitunach, my teacher, from your own tunach, from your own bundle, from your own pasuk, I'm going to respond to you. As follows, because it says, Right? That very pasuk says, that what? So you can offer offerings to Hashem and pray for the lives of the king and his children. In other words, keep reading the Pasuk, right? It's the next Pasuk that tells you why is he allowing him to take all these offerings to pray for the king and his children. In other words, there is a self-serving motivation, self-serving motivation for him allowing them to continue the building of the base of Mikdash. It would almost be as if you had, let's say, a president, right? Just as an analogy, 
right, who was good to the Jews because they would vote for him, or good to the Jews because he thinks that they're the captains of industry. It's like, uh, and they're going to somehow, right, benefit him. So it was for self-benefit, okay. So therefore, right, the generosity, according to Rav Yitzchak, was not born out of actual, right, uh, true generosity for the Jews, but really actually out of self-serving uh, motivations. Gemara asks, You see, fascinating question, philosophy, Andrew. Is that a problem? Like if we vote, you know, my grandfather, Oliver Shalom, he voted only for Israel. That's all he cared about. And uh, actually, my father-in-law also. He had, uh, he used to get into uh, arguments with his brother, Louis. Uh, Louis would get into the nitty-gritty of the politics. You know, in Silver Spring, where my father-in-law was from, Politics is very, you know, it's very close to the seat of power over there. So everybody's very into politics. So they used to go, okay, issue, how about this issue? How about that issue? His, his brother's from Boston. So he's like very, you know, ivory tower. And, uh, and he's giving all these liberal, I guess you could say, views. And my father-in-law, Shalom, used to send him these one-word messages. Israel. <laughs> That's all he cared about. What's better for Israel, right? So... If a, if a leader is good for Israel, do we care, you know, like what his motivation is? We care about the bottom line, do we not? So that's what the Gemara is asking. In other words, you see, okay, so he had his self-serving thing. That's still, it's not a good thing. You know, there's Christians who support nefesh benefesh because, and, and who knows what's in their mind. Maybe they want to bring, you know, the end of days. You know what I mean? But at least they're supporting Aliyah. Okay, it's a big controversial issue. So Tanya says the Gemara, after all, we say in, in, in the, in the Brisa, Haomer banai. So now we're getting into philosophy here. We've already seen this, Brisa. Person says, I'm going to donate this, this, uh, money to charity so that my sons, right, in the merit of that mitzvah shall live. By the way, do we ever do this? We do this all the time. In Yizkar, right? They should have an Aliyah in the Shama or whenever we get an Aliyah. Right? And we, and we give a mishabeirach, bavoshani ten staka. Right? So I'm going to give staka, and in that schus, something should happen. So what do we say? Says, if you say, I'm giving this money to staka so that my children should live, or whatever, so that should have a share in this world and the world to come, says the Ibraisa, harezet tzadik gamor. We say, you're tzadik gamor if you do so. So that should be good. What's wrong with that? Says the gamor, lo kasha. Unbelievable, unbelievable that for Israel, when the Brisa says you're doing it at tzedakah and you're doing the mitzvah for Ischus, so then that works. It doesn't work the same way. Now, why is that? So Rashi says, it's the first of the narrow lines, that the Jews have a different attitude. I'll say it like this outside. The Jewish attitude, when you say I'm giving tzedakah for the sake of something good happening, so you're not doing it exclusively for the sake of that thing to happen. It's not like if I don't get what I want, I regret giving the tzedakah. You're happy for the thing to happen and you're also happy to be giving the tzedakah. This is how Rashi explains the Gemara. Whereas the, right, the rest of the world views religion, we'll say it. I'm sort of philosophical, adding some philosophical uh, angle to what Rashi's saying. The, the, the rest of the world views religion 
as sort of pragmatic, meaning, what do I get out of it? You know, that's how you view it at Vodazara. Like, what are these gods going to give? What do they have to offer me? So that, what that ends up being is that when you're doing something in order that the God should give you whatever it is that you want the God to give you, it is really a quid pro quo, right? If the God's not going to give it to you, you regret that you didn't even give it. It's a different attitude, right? Because we are descendants of Avram Avinu. We are willing to make sacrifices and we're really doing it l'shem shemayim. Okay, as opposed to a pragmatic approach to religion, which is I'm just doing it because I want the God to give it back to me. So it's a very fundamentally different thing between self-serving versus serving Hashem. And that's what the Gemara is saying, according to Rashi. Tosfos on the top of Daladalad is completely astonishing. It's hard to believe. I'm not even going to get into it other than to say that Tosfos is surprised, therefore, that in Masechus Avos, you might recall, it says in the third Mishnah, in Masechus Elvis, in fact, that That's amazing, right? You shouldn't be So it says, well, Argomar implies that that's not what we do. We don't do that. Only the Goyim do that. To which Tosos, based off of Argomar, reinterprets the Mishnah of us to say that that Mishnah is referring to Umos Olam. That is so hard to... To process. Now, every time I think a Tosos is impossible to believe, I hear a shot from some Gaon that turns it around and makes, make, makes sense to me. But at this stage, I'm having a hard time to believe that a Mishnah Avos, when it tells us not to do it, Almanas Lakabla Pras, it's not really talking to us, it's, it's directing its, right, Musar to the Umos Olam. That seems impossible to me to believe. However, uh, it just shows you the strength of this idea. Right, the strength of this idea that we do it uh, lishma. Well, Where's the last three words referring to in Tosfos, in Tosfos it says, uh, I, I knew That's more like what Rashi that it's alluding to what Rashi was saying that the umos olam means that if they don't get what they want, they regret uh, the mitzvah that they did. means that they regret the mitzvah that they did. So Barry wants to know what the last three words mean. That's what it means. It means. What well, we said before that when the um, when the Jews do do it, so even if they don't, right? You're giving tzedakah amanas that you know something should go well, and then it doesn't go well. You don't regret giving the tzedakah. Umas olam are pragmatic about it. If it doesn't go well, then they regret giving the tzedakah. That's what Torah alrishonos means, and that is what the Mishnah is warning you against. Uh, okay, I could have said otherwise. I could have said it's telling you not to be like the umas olam, right? <laughs> that you shouldn't do it or even like. Right, uh, because but but again, the reason why Tosfos has to reinterpret the Mishnah in 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 uh, Avos is because Argomar is saying that that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to to, to ask for something in return. So why is the Mishnah saying don't do it almanas lekabel pras? So it has to say don't do it only almanas lekabel pras. Okay, but but then Argomar is saying that Jews never do that. So it must be that it's talking to Umos Olam. That's the progression in logic in Tosfos in reading that Mishnah and Avos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Fine. So, so, so again, to reorient again, where we are, where are we? <laughs> We're saying like this, that in fact, um, the Persian king was a good dude because even though he may have had some self-serving issues, he was in fact doing something good, which is okay. But then we said, Rabbi Yitzchak's response was, no, because he wasn't 
part of Klal Yisrael, it may have been only self-serving and therefore maybe he was not a good dude. Or, as follows, how else can we say that he was soured? As follows, or I could say, where else do I know that he fell off the derech? Three rows of marble. What's going on here? Well, this is when he gave the instructions for the construction of the base of Mikdash. He was involved not only in giving permission, but he was involved in the construction. You know what I mean? Like sometimes when, sometimes when um, a family is doing construction, the husband's involved, and sometimes he's totally out of it. Here, the king was involved. He wasn't only paying for it. He wanted to right, have something to do with the design. What did he say about the design? He said, three rows of marble and a row of new wood and with, with, with the money that I'm giving you. What's going on here? So again, that's how he reads it. Right? So I'm going to have the marble and the wood. Right? That's where all the money is going to go to. I want it to be designed like this. So why did he design it like such? Wow. A nefarious intent, which is he purposely designed it such that if he ever turns on the Jews, it'll be easier to burn the temple down. That is incredible. Okay. So that truly is, right, a sign of not real commitment to the Jews. He's going to help them build it, but he wants it to be reversible easily and burnt down if he needs to. Wow. Gemara asks, wait. Are we sure that that's a bad construction plan? Because Shlomo himself also had a combination of uh, marble and wood. As follows. Right? Three rows of hewn stone. Good. That's Gazis. But a row of cedar beams. So that's wood. So that's also flammable. Look, my answer is no, no, no. There was a construction. There's a difference in the de- construction design. Shlomo Avid Milmalav, Iu Avid Milmata. First of all, Shlomo made the wood part on top. Daryavash made it on the bottom such that when you burned it, the whole thing would come down like the Tin Towers. Shlomo shake bivinyana, iu lo shake bivinyana. Right, as opposed to Shlomo, right, if, you, if the wood set fire, it would just be on top, everything else would stay. Also, Shlomo had it shuck a recessed, right, um, into the, the, the part of the building, meaning the, it was not exposed. Whereas Daryavash had it exposed, he didn't recess the wood into the building. And Shlomo, sadya besida, iu lo sadya besida. And Shlomo, plastered it with lime, which protected it from flames, were that to happen. And Dayavash left it exposed on the bottom uh, and exposed to flames and not covered at all, ready to burn. Wow. So that is source number two for the fact that Dayavash fell off the derech. Now source number three, we're going to address the elephant in the room. Because uh, we mentioned it yesterday, but we didn't say who it was. It's not really an elephant, it's a dog, as we'll see. Ari Yosef, he tamed Rabbi Yitzchak Amar. Maybe this was Rabbi Yitzchak giving another answer. Maybe it was Rabbi Yosef on his behalf. Melech the Achmetz. How do we know he fell for Derek? Mihacha. Because we said already yesterday, the Pasuk for Yomali Amelech Vashegal Yosheves Etzlo. Remember, we said, uh, we said in the Pesukim and the Chemia yesterday that the king said to me and the consort was sitting next to him. And we just kind of glossed over who is this consort? A consort was like his significant plus one. So, my Shegel, what does the word Shegel mean? Amar Rabba Barlima Mishmed the Rav Kalbasa. It's a female dog, which Rashi explains, this was a dog and it was also his girlfriend. So the guy was like off the rails, okay? He was, a, he was, um, he was completely off the rails. And so certainly that is not a sign of a stark guy. And so he had fallen off the deck. What's interesting here is, right, the other two examples were kind of like political disaster, right? That he didn't have good intentions. 
uh, for Klal Yisrael. This is a different thing. This is like when you have um, a king who's good to the Jews, but is personally reprehensible in his personal uh, life. Okay, it's a different kind of off the derech. Be that as it may, dude was, was gross. Anyway, so it goes like this. <clears throat> now what is this Shegal? I, I seem to recall, where is it in the Navi, uh, when you read a, a, uh, in the, I think it's the Haftorah, um, when one man, uh, one man uh, uh, marries a woman, we say Yishkevena, but the word is Yishkelena, I think. Anyway, um, and, and we, we change it because Yishkelena is such a, is such a crude, um, not nice way of saying it. So we, that's not the, that's the Cree, Yishkelena, but the Ksiv is Yishkevena, I think. Meaning, right, this is, uh, the Shegal, the root of that word is, is, um, is not a, uh, it's not a yeshivish root. It's sort of like a not nice way of referring to the relations that the king had with this dog. Wow. Okay, so the Gemara says, If so, if it's true that it was a dog, Shegal, then how can you explain the following? It says in the, where's this Pasuk? It says in Daniel, in a different context, talking about King, king Balshazar. It says, Okay, you exalted yourself against Hashem. It says like this. You exalted yourself and the vessels in your house were brought for you, to you, your, no, your nobles, the people with you, and your concubines drank wine from them. So we see in the context of that Pasuk in Daniel that Sheglasach is part of your entourage somehow and they're drinking wine. So the Gemara asks amazingly, If in fact Shegal is referring to a dog, so is it possible that dogs drink wine? So the Gemara says, what do you mean? Of course. Yeah, train your dog to drink wine. It'll drink wine just fine. Okay. Uh, if you go to Beverly Hills or San Francisco, they treat dogs better than human beings. They have boutique hotels for dogs. They get massages, pet, mani-pedis. It's a whole thing. And they're drinking wine and martinis, the whole thing. It's, it's, it's possible. Okay. I've heard it said, you could tell whether a society is doing well, whether they treat, how they treat their dogs relative to the humans. Okay, keep an eye out for that. This is actually a pasuk in Tehillim, guys. It's talking about the daughters of kings, they honor you, and it says, the shegal stands at your right, Right? In the golden jewelry of Ophir, Bechesim Ophir. Well, put, uh, plug the word dog in there and it doesn't make any sense. What does that mean? Right? The Navi, here it's fascinating that, uh, David Hamelch is referred to as the Navi. It's not the only place. Navim and Ksuvim, um, even though Tehillim is part of Ksuvim, it's still, they're both said Benavua. Okay? So David Hamelch is a Navi, in fact. Okay. So, the Navi here is David Amel because it's Tehillim. It says, Yishegel kal basahi. What, is, what exactly is he saying? That you're going to have this beautiful thing, the kings will honor you, and your dog's going to stand to your right in the golden jewelry of Ophir? <laughs> what are you talking about? Shegel can't mean dog in that context. So the Gemara says, Achikamar. This, this is not a very dog-friendly Gemara, Andrew. Achikamar. Bishar shechaviva tarle Yisrael keshegel What it means is, right, that when the Torah is Chaviv to Israel as Rameir Shapiro Zetzal made Dafyomi so so Chaviv to Israel and you're getting together at uh, City Field and all this. 
when you when the Jews will love the Torah as much as the Gaim love their dogs, that's when you'll merit the golden jewelry of Ophir. That's a beautiful idea, right? Because if you've ever been, right, and you see it in the media and everywhere, right? You always, uh, you always see part of the beautiful, right, uh, nuclear American family, there's the golden retriever, right? And, and, and it's part of, the, there's a big love for the dog. So if we were to only love the Torah as much as the garden loved the dogs, we'd be in good shape indeed. We'd be zocha to the, to the sweetness of Torah. Wow. Okay. Says the Gemara. So that's Shegal. Might mean dog. Or maybe in that Pasuk, Shegal doesn't mean dog, but it means queen, right? In other words, right, you'll have the queen to your right, according to Tehillim. However, for Rabba Barlima Gemara Gemirla, but what Rabba Barlima said is that the Shegal of Daryavash was a dog indeed. However, Gemara Gemirla means he had a tradition that he called him queen, like he treated the dog like his queen, but it was, right, biologically a dog. That my Karile Shegal, why he called it queen? Right? Or In other words, right, he loved it like a, one would a queen, or he elevated it or treated it like it was his queen. So again, he was like one of these sick puppies, pun intended, that treated his dog somehow like it was his plus one, and therefore referred to it as his queen. He was, he was uh, right. Um, he was messed up, but be that as it may, that answer is the shot. In other words, really, he was a queen, and maybe Shegal means queen, and the dog was just a dog, but he called it Shegal because it referred to it as his queen. Fine. So now we're five lines down in the wide, and we have a final source for this. Andrew can't get enough, but all good things have to come to an end, Andrew. It says, How do you know that he fell off the derech? What's happening here is later on, in the Sefer Ezra, <coughs> the same king who had previously said, take as much as you need, is now putting limitations. He says, give me only up to 100 talents of silver or, or, or cores of wheat or baths of wine or, right, or oil. Or, or, so the only thing he gave <laughs> in unlimited supply was umlach dilo, miksav, unlimited amount of what? Salt. But anything of any value, he already put a limit on it. Ah, meikara belokitsusa. In the first communication, everything was unlimited. Take as much as you need. And now he's limiting it, so we see he's not as magnanimous, and that is a sign that was machmitz. Says the Gemara, vidilami karlava kimla bekitsusa. Okay, but maybe. The reason why, says the Gemara, he didn't limit it in the beginning was he says, take as much as you need because he didn't know how much would be needed. But now he knew, right? Now that we have the actual plans and they finally have been approved, then now he knows and now he's just specifying how much to give. So maybe this limitation in the, in the, in the later communication is not an indication of his uh, falling off the derch to which the Gemara concedes. said, okay, I'll give you that. But we have all these other signs that he uh, fell off the derech, so we'll go with those. Fine. So now we're at the two dots, eight lines up uh, from the bottom, and we are in a new thing, the regalim. The regalim, our Mishnah had said that, again, first of Nisan is on, not only Rosh Hashanah for kings, but only also Rosh Hashanah for regalim. So still by Rosh Chodesh Nisan here. And so the Gemara asks, regalim be'echar b'nisan hu? B'chamishah asar b'nisan hu? First of all, Yitzhak Mitzrayim was not on Rosh Chodesh Nisan. 
it was on, right, 15th of Nisan, as we know. So why would we start with Rosh Chodesh Nisan, asks the Mar. Yeah, the Rosh Hashanah may have started with Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim, but we say that the Regel, that the Yantiv where that Rosh Hashanah is, Rashi has a formulation here, Regel Shehu Bechodesh Hanichnas Be'echad Benisan, who Rosh Hashanah That's all it means. That that month where that Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim took place will start at the beginning of that month in order to create a Rosh Hashanah Le'Regalim. Says the Gemara, Nafkamina Lenodar. What would be the legal significance of having a Rosh Hashanah Le'Regalim altogether? Says the Gemara, well, yesterday I think we mentioned Hashavah Saveda. Our Gemara brings like five different Nafkaminas and not that one. So let's, let's see it. Lemekam Alei Bevalta Acher. Okay, so there's this concept of Bevalta Acher. Guys, when you show up to the base of Mikdash for Aliyah Le'Regal, you don't want to show up empty-handed. Now, a lot of people, right, would come and they would, what? They would say, when I go, I'm going to bring this carbon, or I'm going to bring this nadava, I'm going to bring this and that, okay? There is a, there is an iser to delay, right? That's a pasuk in the Torah. It says, kitidor Hashem lokecha, right? When a person makes a ned there. So you can't delay it's a love, right? You, once you promise something, right? Let's say like a korban, right? You're not allowed to delay bringing it. The question is, what would be considered a delay? Well, the following uh, uh, different pasuk says, that's how we get into that being the shear for how long you can delay. And then the question is going to be, when does that sequence of Yomim Tovim start? Does it start which whatever is the next yontiv that you have, or does it start from the Pesach, from the Rosh Hashanah Regalim, as it were? And that would be the significance of Rosh Hashanah Regalim, but that's where we have the Machlokas as follows. It says, for Rabbi Shimon, he, this Tana of the Mishnah is Rabbi Shimon, okay, who says the following, the Tanya, here's the Brisa, Echad Hanoda, Echad Hamakdish, Echad Hamarich, so, so a person making a nether, Right, he means, he means, uh, Omer, as Rashi says, Domai like Shashamin or Soka Evid. Another would mean, like, um, whatever I would fetch in my, in terms of my personal net worth in the marketplace, I am offering, okay? Bechad Hamakdish, you're just doing a hektesh, something to better kabait. Bechad Hamarich, Erechin is a different thing, right? Neder is what you would fetch, like, if we wanted to sell Andrew, Right, which we wouldn't because he's critical to us, obviously. Andrew, you know what's funny? You were mentioned last night at the Holland Sheverbrachos. Tzvi surprised me and he sang a gramin about me that was vicious. And one of his vicious lines was about how I get up 5.30 to, to learn with Andrew, which I thought was, uh, I thought mentioning you was, was worth it. If, 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 at least if he was going to mention you. But he didn't mention Barry, so I gave him a very hard time about that. Yeah, so we're going to get royalties for that. Uh, anyways, <clears throat> he doesn't realize I get up to learn with Barry, and you're just here. I was here the other day. I couldn't sleep. I was here at 4 in the morning. He was already here. <laughs> he, Andrew knows that. <laughs> uh, you're part of the furniture. Where was I? Okay, yeah, no there. No there is whatever Andrew would fetch in the market, right, as far as his net worth. Marich is the erchin that are already spelled out in the Torah, right? This, the, depending on your age, depending on your, right, okay, and your status, uh, so anyways, what, regardless of what value you're going to be 
right, making a vow here for, that is something that you have to eventually pay up. Says the Brisa, Once Shal Shregalim pass, that is the threshold of when you're going to be violating this law of Balta Acher. That was the mission of Rabbi Shimon. To which, that was the Brisa. And then you have the sheet of Rabbi Shimon, rather. Where Rabbi Shimon, Omer, Shal Shregalim Kesidron. Ah, see, our mission is like Rabbi Shimon. Our mission, again, requires a Rosh Hashanah Leregalim. And therefore, it is Rav Shimon there who says, Shalosh Regalim Kesidron, Bechagamatzos Tchila. There you go. That you have to, not Shalosh Regalim from whichever Yantif is coming up next, that's the Tanakama. Rabbi Shimon is the one that says that it is Shalosh Regalim starting from Pesach. And then the Brisa says, and then, Vechein Hayar Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai Omer. Now, by the way, Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai is Rabbi Shimon. This is not the only time it says it like this. It says, and so Rabbi Shimon ben Yechai also said, Regalim. The number of regalim they have to pass is pamim shlosha, pamim arba, pamim chamisha. Well, that's just an extension of his halacha, right? Because if you uh, started off and you made the netter before Pesach, it's going to be three. If you made the netter before Shavuos, it's going to be five. If you made it before Sukkot, it's going to be four, right? In other words, it all depends on how many regalim are going to pass if you wait for Pesach first and then go three regalim from there, right? So that's, that's what the Gemara continues to say. Ketzad, how do you sometimes have three, four, or five? Not if they Pesach Shlosha, if they Atzeres Chamisha, if they Achag Arba. Right? If it's before, so again, right? You you carry it out. If you do it before Atzeres, which is Shavuos, so you're going to pass Shavuos, then you're going to come back around and do Sukkos. Then you're going to go and you're going to get to Pesach again. Start the three Regalim cycle, and you get to five. And similarly, if you do before Sukkos, you get to four. Fine. Two lines from the bottom on Dalim Aleph. This is the about the Acher stuff. So again, if you are obligated to pay any amount, so this is already Nedarim, or Hacharamim uh, or if you have any Cherem, right? This is all the stuff that in the Hataras Nedarim, all the things that you wanted to be makdish, that you promised, chatos v'ashamos, you promised you're going to bring korban chatos or asham, olos shlamim or an olor or shlamim, tzedakos or maestros, any pledges for tzedakah or maeser, bechor or bechor, right, offerings, or maeser, bechor or maeser, or maestros, and upesach. Korban Pesach? The Gemara is going to discuss. What do you mean? You, you have to bring a Korban Pesach. All these other things um, are essentially, right, essentially you're going to be pledging them, right, but some of these things are actually things that you can making a, um, you're going to be making uh, voluntarily, right? Most of these things you're going to be making these voluntarily pledges, and so there's the Isser of Batachir, you're not supposed to delay it. So as we turn to Daladam uh, Bez, at the almost symbolic time six twelve, we say leket shikhopeah. That is also fascinating. The thing about leket shikhopeah is you're not giving those things; you're just leaving them over for the poor to take for themselves. So how can you be chayev for delaying payment? You're not really paying, right? Leket shikhopeah, as we know, is the stuff in your field that you leave over. It's a mitzvah to leave it over, but you're not giving it. So we'll discuss that. And kevin shavu aleim shlosh regalim over Be that as it may, all of these right is a question. Uh, uh, to, to see, oh, Tosfos asks that question. See, the first Tosfos, Dalin and Beis, asks that question. They say, no, this is a question where you said, you know what, I'm going to leave it over, but then you take it. Do you ever do that? Where you, let's say, your kids get bar mitzvah presents, 
but they're too young to handle it. So you take the money and you make a cheshbon and you can either put it away or you can like use it and like replenish their bank account, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what they're doing with the leket shikfapeh, right? Where they're actually not leaving it over as they should. They, they're planning to leave it over, they set it aside, but then it's not accessible. That's not cool. So you have to, at some point, make it accessible. And what's that point? Now there, on that, there was machlokas on what the threshold of the of time is. Rabbi Shimon Omer, Rabbi Shimon had said what we already quoted twice. That's three regalim in order, but you start from Pesach, wherever you started. And then another opinion is Rabbi Meir Omer, Once you had one regel, that's it. That, after that, you're over in Balta Acher, no matter where you are. A fourth opinion, Rabbi Elazar ben Yaakov Omer, We're going to get to how they came about with these shiurim. One says three regalim, one says three regalim starting Pesach, one says two, one regal, one says two regalim, and finally the fifth opinion, Rabbi Elazar ben Shimon Omer, It has to be Davka Chag Mind you, Rebbe Lazar, Rebbe Shimon, and it was Rebbe Lazar, the son of Rebbe Shimon Baruchai, who was with him in the cave. All right, so how did this all play out? Says the Gemara. My time at the Tanakama. What about the Tanakama who says, no matter where you are, count three regalim from there? Says the Gemara Mechti. Let's see. Minayu Salik. What's the Pasuk? Well, the Pasuk is like this. It says, Shalosh Pamim Bashana, Okay? That you should see, you should go and be Ola Regal three times. Okay, it's at the end of the Sukkis, the Sukkis uh, Psukim. And then it says, And so when it tells you to do Aliyah Regal three times, it says that you should do it three times. And for whatever reason, it then spells out the Regalim in the order of Pesach, then Shavuos, and then Sukkis, which it did not have to do, right? All it's saying is be Ola Regal. Why is it then telling you to be all a regal in specific order? You should be all a regal, right? If you become bar mitzvah, whatever, now, so then you should be all a regal first in Pesach. But if you become bar mitzvah, uh, I don't know, between Pesach, during Sphira, and then you get to say a bar mitzvah drasha, and whether you're chayiv in Sphira, because you weren't a bar chayuva in the beginning, so you become bar mitzvah during Sphira, so then your first regal is going to be Shavuos, okay? So then why are you going to, uh, why does the Torah, Go out of its way to give you an order. We know what the regalim are in order. Says the Gemara, Minayu Salik. The Gemara just, the, the Pasuk rather, had just finished telling you that you should be all a regal. Why are you going ahead and then telling us what the three regalim are and starting with matzos? The drasha is to teach you that it's not to delay and it has to be these three yomim tovim. Okay, well, that seems like it would explain Rabbi Shimon also. It says the Rabbi Shimon Omer, In other words, since it, it said, it means that, that, that the Sukkot is last, which is to say that Pesach is first. So the construction of the Pasuk is actually informing both of the first two Shittas. Mayor, my time. Why is Rav Mayor saying the third Shittah, which is that you only wait one regel? Right? You should come and bring, which is to say, don't come empty handed, which is to say, you, and this is, we're going to see, this is a mitzvah say regardless. You're never supposed to come empty handed. In other words, it's never a lachachila to show up empty handed 
and to not fulfill your thing, which is to say, again, just because you have three regalim to fulfill your vow, doesn't mean that lechatchila you can't you should and can wait three regalim. You're supposed to always fulfill it right away. It just happens to be that you're not over on the lav until you've let three regalim pass. That but Rameyer has the shita that that shear, which is a shear for the mitzvah saseh, is also the shear for the balta acher. You see that you should never come empty-handed, and if you do, that's when you're over balta acher, as the gemara explains. Now the rabbanon would say ahula say. In other words. The Tanakama would say, yes, everybody agrees, Uvata Shama Vevesim Shama is the mitzvah's asay, right, of bringing it not empty handed. Uh, and so that's their answer, that for the asay, they would agree with the mayor. But the Lot say you have more of a grace period. And that's where the Gemara says, Rabbi Meir says, I see, since the Torah says, you made a vow, and, and, uh, you made a vow, I see, below I see, and you didn't bring it then, Mimela, come lay. So that's what Rashi's explaining. That's how, according to Rameyer, it's Hainu Hach, right? In other words, that which is the Lechatchila uh, Asay is also the Los Asay. Like we saw in Mesechus Psachim by, uh, by Chameis, right? That you're not supposed to, right? You're supposed to eat, well, okay, it doesn't matter. The point is that the Asay is the Lota Asay. Okay. Okay, so then what's the next sheet? Rabbi Lezer and Yaakov, my time, Adichsev, Ela Tasu Lashem Bemoadechem. Rabbi Lezer and Yaakov had a funny shita, right? It's two regalim. That's, we're not used to it. It's like all or nothing, right? Either do the whole three regalim or just bring, bring the first regal like the essay. But no, it says, in plural. It's talking about the Musaf Korbanos, but mi'ud ma'adim shnaim. But basically, because it's plural, so that's where he holds that the shear for the Yomim Tovim is two Yomim Tovim. And then finally, the Rabbanon. How, why would they reject that source? It says, Ahu they say that pasuk is to teach you like Rabbi Yoni said, Rabbi Yona, the Amar Rabbi Yona, No, the reason why it says Ma'adim in plural is to be makish, the Musaf, Karbonus, one another, to teach you Shakula, Mekapi, Maltumas, Mikdash, Vekadashav, and we had learned in Masechus Yuma that all of those Karbonus Musaf are actually um, going to be Mekaper on Tumas, Mikdash, Vekadashav. And therefore, that's the in the pasuk, not to teach you that the Shear is to Regalim. And finally, the fifth opinion, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, my taima, what was Rabbi Lazar, Shimon's opinion as follows. He was the son, as you recall, of Rabbi Shimon, we said, the Tanya, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Shimon, Omer, lo yomar chaga sukos, he said that chaga sukos is the one. So regardless where you are in the year, the delay is once you've passed sukos. Mehechates is sukos, shebo diber hakosov. That was, in fact, the context of the Pasuk. So lama nemar, lomar shezezorim. That the Pasuk that's mentioned is Sukkis to teach you that it's in fact Sukkis that's Gorem, uh, the Baal Ta'acher. Wow. Right? In other words, why was the three Regalim and, and the whole concept of the Baal Ta'acher introduced? Remember, all of the Regalim are discussed in the Chumash. And so why is this discussion brought up in the context of the discussion of Sukkis? That, te- that shows Rabbi Lazar um, by Rabbi Shimon that in fact, Sukkot should be the threshold. Right, so this was going to be Barry's question, but he didn't want to interrupt. The fact of the matter is, even though the context is in the Chag Sukkot, we just said that there's an extra Pasuk. The extra Pasuk says, So that is really an extraneous Pasuk that we don't need. We already brought up this issue. And therefore it makes sense that the, the, that the reason why you have that extra pasuk is to teach you the order of the Baal Ta'acher. 
the question is, if you don't hold that it's teaching about the Acher, as Rabbi Lazar, the son of Rabbi Shimon, does not hold, right? Because obviously he's putting emphasis on the fact that the context is Sukkot. So therefore, what is this extra Pasuk teaching you? Says the Gemara, They need it for what Rabbi Lazar said in the name of Rabbi Yoshia. How do we know? We know that, sh- that <clears throat> we know that if you don't manage to bring the Korban Chagiga, right, uh, if you don't manage to bring it for Pesach and Sukkot, you have all of Pesach and all of Sukkot to bring it. But Shavuos, as you know, is only a one-day Yantiv. And so how do you know that that too has a full week of Tashlumin? Says the Gemara, Talmud Lomer, B'chaga, Matzos, B'chaga, Shavuos, B'chaga, Sukkot. That's what this Pasuk teaches you. It's teaching you an equality between Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. Makesh Chag, Shavuos, L'chaga, Matzos. Just like Pesach, you could bring the Korban Chagiga any of the seven days of Pesach. So to Shavuos, even though Sphira is over and Yantiv is over and everybody's back to work, you can bring a full week, right? There's an element of what we'll call, not really Cholamoid, but you know what I mean. You could bring the Chagiga a whole week uh, even after Shavuos. I says the Gemara, Why are we comparing it there again? The Pasuk says Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot. So the only question here is, why are we bringing Tashlumin for Shavuos only seven days like Pesach? Bring it eight days like Sukkot. Malahalon Shemona, Afkan Shemona, says the Gemara. Says the Gemara, Shemini Regal B'fneatzmahu. No. It's Pesach and Sukkot are both really seven days. The eighth day of Sukkot that we just had is actually Regal B'fneatzmahu. Really? Says the Gemara. Emor Darmini Shemini Regal B'fneatzmahu in Pazar Kashav. We said that Shemini Atzeres is only a regal bifne atzmo for the acronym of Pazar Kashav. Rashi says, I'm exhausted from you guys. I already explained this to you in Yuma Daf Gimel and in Sukkah Daf Memhei, but fine. He's persistent. I'll explain to you. Pazar Kashav is the pious, right? The lottery. Pazar, Lepar Babi Shemini, Vein Karl And then Zman, right? And then he goes on and on, right? We said that it's the parlas, if I can say it's the Zman, and then I know that it's um, uh, the Karbanos and the, well, Rashi goes all the way to the bottom over here, Adalana Rebbez, going through each one. Zman, Regel Bifneyatsmo, Rashi is for Regel, right? And then it says Korban Bifneyatsmo because the Karbanos are different than Shemini They don't follow the pattern, et cetera, et cetera. The Shear, the Shin is for, right, for the Shear is different on Shemini And what was the Bez? It was the Bracha. And with the bracha, we had the question, that's what we had the question, what bracha is it referring to? That's different in benching, different in tefillah, okay? But be that as it may, it's clear from the Pazar Kashav that all six of those issues separate out Shemini Atzeres from the rest of Sukkot. But Le'inin Tashlumim, Everyone's going to say Tashlumim should be the same. That's not, because we learned in the Mishnah Chagiga. So in fact, you do bring the Korban on Shemini Atzeres. So why do we not, right, bring, have Tashlumim for eight days for, for Shavuos? V'yom Tov V'achron Shalchag, as the Gemara says, that on Yom Tov V'achron Shalchag, with respect to the Pazar Kashav, Shemini Tzeres is its own standalone holiday. But with respect to the Tashlumin, it should be an eighth day. Says the Gemara, Tafasta Meruba, Lo Tafasta, Tafasta Mua Tafasta. We finish with the concept of if you seize too much, then you might have lost it all. Which is to say, if you give seven days of Tashlumin, then you know for sure that you are within your rights 
because that is true for Sukkot and Pesach. If you're going to go out of bounds and you're going to go on a limb and say, let me bring Tashlum on the eighth day, so maybe this Torah will support you and you could bring it on the eighth day, but maybe it won't. And maybe it's supposed to stop where the common area of, Shavut, of Pesach and and Sukkot ends, which is seven days, and therefore you may have lost everything if you do that. So it says, Why did we mention Sukkot here? To connect it to Chagamatzos, which is the last word on Dalaram and Beis. We will see tomorrow with the first word on Ham and Alf Bezrat Hashem how the Sukkot and the Pesach are intended to be connected in the Pasuk.